0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson.
2: I'm Jessica Knoll. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences.
1: This week on True Crime Chronicles.
3: Did my sister plead for her life? Did she plead for her baby's life? You took my peace. You took my heart. You took everything from me. It is early January 2007 in a suburb of Dallas, Texas. Linoshka Torres and Luis Campos are on their way to pick up their vehicle at a nearby mechanic's house in neighboring Oak Cliff. They're excited to get their car back because the young couple is expecting their first child together. Linoshka is currently a student, and Luis is a talented soccer player and works in a local warehouse. Luis turns his dad's red Ford Explorer into the driveway of the mechanic's garage. Their plan is to quickly pick up the car and to caravan the two vehicles back home in time to celebrate Three Kings Day with friends and family. It should have been a quick trip. But Linoshka and Luis never make it home. They never pick up their vehicle. The Red Explorer is later discovered parked in the same driveway they pulled into, with their cell phones sitting on the front seats. Friends and family will never see them alive again. The
4: family called me on a Tuesday and said, our loved one is missing. La Torres is missing and we cannot find her and her boyfriend, Luis Campos, uh, she's pregnant and they cannot find her. We cannot find her.
3: This is Rebecca Lopez. She is the senior criminal justice reporter for WFAA in Dallas.
4: They called the Dallas Police Department and the missing persons detective went out there on the day they disappeared but said, oh, they're probably out partying. They're like, no, they were expected to come to a family function. We were waiting for them, and we know that they were supposed to be here. And this had been on a Saturday night that they were supposed to go and visit with the family. They were waiting. They had made her favorite dish, and they were celebrating. So they were on their way there, and they never showed up. And the family kept calling, like, well, kept calling their cell phones, and no answer, no answer.
3: Now deeply concerned, The family calls Dallas police and reports their loved ones are missing. DPD sends a detective to where they are last seen, but he doesn't believe there to be any foul play. And then, when the investigation seems to lose traction, the family contacts Rebecca Lopez.
4: They did nothing with this case during this time. So the family came to me. I went and I met them as they were handing out flyers. It was a Tuesday night, and we broke the story that night about this missing couple in Dallas that just disappeared off the streets of Oak Cliff uh, in Dallas. And so they could not, couldn't find him. Uh, We did one story. We did a second story. Uh, Still, the missing persons detective just considered a missing persons case. I finally went to the head of the homicide unit, one of the chiefs at the time, one of the assistant chiefs, and I said, "Why? What is going on? Why is your Why are your missing persons detectives not handling this case properly, or handing it over to?" Uh, the kidnapping unit or or somebody that can take a look at what's happened to this couple. And he's like, I don't even know about this case. Like, how have you not been briefed on this case? So eventually, when I went to him, they transferred it to what's called the Special Investigative Unit, which is the top investigators at the Dallas Police Department. And that's when they finally took it seriously and said, yes, this couple is missing. So for a month, they searched for them.
3: With new investigators on the case... The police begin retracing the final steps of Lenoshka and Luis. The last location police can confirm they were is at the mechanic's house, where he worked out of his garage. It's where investigators previously found the red explorer they were driving, which was parked in the same spot that they left it in.
4: So initially... Uh, the family, again, is saying they're, they're at this mechanic's house. That's where they were going. And that's when DPD, you know, started trying to figure out, like, well, what happened to this this couple? You know, where are they? Um, when they got there, uh, the mechanic's son was there. And he claims and told police
3: somebody just grabbed him and snatched them and threw them in a vehicle. But why would anyone want to kidnap a young pregnant woman and her boyfriend? Neither of them had any criminal record, and they were both active volunteers in their community. Police could not find even the slightest reason why anyone would want to harm them. With this information, though, investigators now have no doubt that this is not a case of a couple running off together, but one of kidnapping, which adds a ticking clock to the investigation. Investigators search the area and look for any clues that may give them more insight into the couple's disappearance. But the urgency in the case came too late.
4: And eventually they found their bodies dumped off... Uh, this area off a bridge called Dowdy Ferry. It's a, It's actually an area where they have found several people dead. It's They kind of called it somewhat of a dumping ground because it's really remote and a lot of like trees and um, pretty hidden. Uh, and that's where they found the body of Luis
3: Lanoshka and the fetus, the baby. That's where they found him. Just dumped. According to police records, their bodies are recovered in terrible condition horribly bruised from blunt force trauma and scarred from, quote, homicidal violence. With their bodies found, police begin to piece together what they think happened and, more importantly, why it happened. And
4: what DPD now believes happened is that the mechanic's son uh, was involved in some sort of nefarious things and um, the cartel, there was a drug cartel... Uh, where money, like drugs had been missing and money, and they were looking for the person that stole the drugs and the money. And he said, oh, it's this guy. He pointed the finger at Luis and Lenoshka. So the cartel grabbed them off the streets of Dallas, threw them in his vehicle, took them to a home, tortured them, electrocuted them, beat them with baseball bats, moved them to another home uh, where they continued to torture them to try to get t- uh, uh, information about where the drugs and money might be. And Lenoshka was very much pregnant. She was showing. She was due in just like a month and a half. And the baby was you know, was a, you know was pretty good size at this point. I mean, this is the streets of Dallas. This was an innocent, completely innocent couple, brutally murdered and tortured by Mexican drug cartel members that had been sent to try to find the missing
3: drugs uh, and, and money. Based on the severity of the murders, police sources point them to the drug cartels, but they are unsure of who they actually are. In a twist of fate, though, One such cartel member is pulled over for a traffic stop.
4: There was a getaway driver, and then there was two that actually did the murdering. Uh, They had arrested the driver uh, outside of Dallas in an unrelated traffic stop, and he eventually started... They found some evidence that they thought was, was weird in that truck, and they started processing that vehicle, and then they realized that it might have been used in a homicide, and eventually he confesses.
3: He also gives up the names of the other two conspirators. Police move quickly to arrest the other two suspects, but they're able to only find one of them. The other had already escaped across the border to Mexico. The police also search properties that were linked with the murder suspects. There are two houses in particular that may have been used as the location for the murders.
4: And they believe that those were probably stash houses that were being used by the cartel to stash drugs and uh, money. It was a really horrible case. I mean, can you imagine? You're just an innocent couple. You're going, they were preparing to uh, get their, they wanted their uh, their car back because they were going to have this baby and they were getting ready to move into an apartment and decorate it for the baby that was, that they were about to have. And they were, they were just brutally snatched off the streets of an American city by a drug cartel, and murdered.
3: The third and final murderer is found several years later at a border checkpoint trying to re-enter the country. He is identified, arrested, and extradited to Dallas to stand trial. With all three cartel members in custody, Linushka and Luis's family, still devastated at the loss of their loved ones, can finally gain a small amount of justice. Just before the trial... Rebecca does a series of interviews with several members of Linoshka's family.
4: What are you going to say to him? Well, no, I'm going to... Uh, I don't know. Basically how my sister was, you know, how happy, how cheerful, how joyful. She had so many friends that loved her, and she was loved by so many people. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The family uh, did eventually get to do impact statements and they faced them in court and they said, you destroyed our lives. I chose the word monster because you're not a person, you're not a man, you're a monster. Lenoshka's mom had moved here from Puerto Rico with her three daughters. And Lenoshka was the youngest, she was 19 when she was murdered, and uh, the oldest daughter, she ended up falling in this really bizarre accident where it was, I think it was it was icy, and she hit the back of her head, and she was in a coma for a long time, and she ended up dying from her injuries. And the only one that survived is Rachel, and she's the one that's been so, somewhat of the spokesperson for the family. The whole case, the, everything around this poor family was just so tragic.
3: With ironclad confessions of guilt, the trial and subsequent guilty verdict seem ready to proceed. But the family is absolutely stunned when a new development halts it completely.
4: What was really just so egregious about this case that was infuriating to the family was the homicide detectives that dealt with this case. According to sources and the DA's office, they messed up the evidence and coerced some of the confessions out of these guys. So they got plea deals.
3: can't tell me if a man hurts a dog, gets 30 years, and you kill three people, you get 15. Tell me how is that right.
4: The district attorney's office issued a statement saying there was a problem with the evidence, so they cut a deal instead of taking the case to trial and seeking the death penalty. Sources tell News 8 the lead homicide detective in the case falsified information and illegally obtained a confession from Juanares, which jeopardized the case.
3: We had to pay for the other uh, people don't mistake for other people' mistakes. Do, mistake, mistake for, uh, other people mistake.
4: They said that the confessions weren't done properly, so... Therefore, they could not be used in court. So we're stuck. We're just dirt.
3: And to add insult, under double jeopardy laws, the three cartel members who admitted to killing or aiding in the killing of Linoshka, Luis, and their unborn child cannot be charged for their crimes again.
4: S confessed to all three murders so there will never be a trial for him in this case and someday he will walk out of prison and back onto the streets of Dallas. I'm disbelief. I'm still in shock. I cannot believe that they only will give him 15 years and especially they didn't even give us any notice about what was going on about if they were going to give him a trial or not. We didn't know. We just found out Thursday Um, about what's going on. So uh, I'm still in shock. I don't even know where to start. The murderer who beat a pregnant woman with a baseball bat and killed this couple and the baby got 15-year prison sentence. He's up for parole in two years. The other one did get a life sentence uh, and he's the uh, other one that did the murdering. But then the third guy, the guy that was driving the vehicle, he's out already. He's, he, he got paroled. He got, only got like uh, a few years. And he's actually living across from a school. And I went to go try to track him down uh, a couple years ago when he was paroled. And I went out there to, to try to find him at his home. Of course, he didn't, he didn't um, answer. He's living with some family. He's the one that was a U.S. citizen. But the other two, uh, they're going to— I mean, Monarez will probably get paroled. And he was a very violent drug cartel it man and uh, Dallas police really did some injustice to this family in the way that this case was handled from the beginning when they didn't believe the family that they disappeared to how the case was handled to the eventual having to plea bargain with serious cartel members and murderers uh, because uh, of the coercion and messing up the evidence.
3: Not only were the cartel members given less than maximum prison sentences, The getaway driver has already been released on parole. The family of the victims were not even told he was getting out. I just feel like she's never gotten justice for anything. And it's just kind of crazy that he can keep on with his life, and we just stuck with memories.
4: Lenorska's family says they had no idea Frank Estrella was even up for parole and can't believe he was released early, back onto the streets of Dallas. I just felt for this family, and I've covered a lot of crime in my day. I also felt at the time, and it's something that people don't really talk about, uh, I felt at the time that because they were Latino, Uh, and Luis was a a Mexican national. He was here. um, he He did have a residence card, but he was not a U.S. citizen. I feel like the case wasn't taken as seriously because shortly after that, there was an SMU student whose father was really big in a big firm here in Dallas, a really powerful guy. And they put almost the entire Dallas Police Department on that case and she was um, a white female that was missing and she was involved in some um, drugs, and she was doing drugs at the time. That she, not that, that obviously you deserve to be killed because you were doing drugs, but she had put herself in a very dangerous situation, but they p- spent a lot of time looking for her. And Luisa Norska's case basically got, like, sidelined. And I, I did point that out to DPD for the longest time. Like, why do y'all not, why aren't y'all taking this case more seriously of this young Mexican couple, because it seemed like at the time when there were there was a pregnant woman missing in the U.S., um, you know, Lacey Peterson and others, the U.S. was fixated on those cases, but not a pregnant Latina. And, and I, I took issue with that. And I think that that's why it stayed with me for so long and why I refused to let this case go and kept, you know, staying on the Dallas Police Department and being a voice for this family, because I felt like they their voices were not being heard.
0: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: Spencer, listening to that story, listening to Rebecca Lopez talk about it, you can tell like this story had a big impact on her. For someone who's covered crime news, a lot of different kinds of news, but crime in Dallas, Texas for a long time. And it's just bewildering to think about this drug cartel grabbing this couple uh, and, and and mistakenly, right?
3: Yeah, and there's not really any particular way to link the three members, uh, the three people that actually did the killings of Linoshka and Luis and their unborn child to any larger cartel. We do know that they are members of the cartel, but we don't know if it came from like the top down to collect this money or this drugs or if this was like a side deal that they were actually doing kind of off the books.
1: So there was some kind of connection. We just don't know exactly what it was and even today after all these years.
3: They are known members of of cartel, but other than that, we don't know. But I think as far as the cartels that are operating in the Dallas area and in Texas, you know, there are four to five uh, major cartels that are still operating today. They're bringing in uh, tons of cocaine and methamphetamine and uh, marijuana and heroin. And it's interesting how they actually transport these things. They, you know, they um, will bring them in via airport. They'll bring them in via car. People. Coming across the border, the main points of entry are El Paso and Laredo, Texas, and they'll actually cook the drugs up um, in Mexico, and they will package it up into a uh, kind of travel-friendly way, and then they will recrystallize the drugs in houses that they've purchased um, in suburban neighborhoods all over Texas, and then they will distribute it from there. So it's really difficult to once you shut down, you know, one or two of these. Um, suburban uh, laboratories, they just purchase new properties and they're able to shift it uh, and shift the drugs around very quickly and efficiently.
2: Okay, so Spencer, let's bring it back to this particular case. I know that one of the men involved is now out on parole, but this whole case, this
3: investigation
2: was kind of botched from the beginning,
3: right? Yes, and It's hard to know exactly where the botched nature of the case – from what I have heard and what Rebecca has heard, um, there may have been some interrogations that were not properly – that were not done properly. um, And so those admissions of guilt um, were not allowed in court. And so, you know, you have double jeopardy in this uh, case where, you know, even though they admitted to murdering these three people, one an unborn child – They're not going to be retried uh, for those murders. Um, I know that it was absolutely devastating to the family because they have felt that the police did not do everything they could in the beginning when they were searching for them. And then the police botching uh, the investigation and subsequent trial is just unbelievable for this family that – has not only lost their uh, loved ones, but they are not going to gain any sort of justice. And like you said, one of them is already out on parole, and the family has uh, talked about how that person gets to live his life, even though that he beat to death a pregnant woman and her significant other.
1: Yeah, I mean, just that final detail, at least as the as far as the event goes of the of the murder of just dumping the bodies off this bridge, awful.
3: And they had absolutely nothing to do with uh, these three people, right? So a true case of mistaken identity that ended in horrific result.
1: All right, Spencer, thanks for bringing us the story. Thanks very much to Rebecca Lopez uh, at WFAA in Dallas, Texas. I can tell you that in a few weeks down the road, we actually interviewed her about another Texas case, uh, very different from this one, but equally bizarre. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, Jessica, what's coming up next week? I know you have a story for us.
2: Next week, we have a story that is just almost too unbelievable to comprehend. Um, A 20-year-old man runs almost naked into the woods and is never seen again.
1: Okay. I'm not going to Ask any more questions because we'll, we'll leave people wondering what the heck this is all about. But we'll have that story from Jessica Null next week. And uh, Spencer, as always, w- what do we like our listeners to do?
3: Uh, one of my favorite parts of the episode, uh, calling out the listeners to if you like this show and other Vault Studios productions, uh, please uh, like us, subscribe to us, and uh, leave us a review on whatever app you are listening to this on. It's
1: so simple. And if you have family, friends, or anyone who likes this type of content, please tell them about our show. Jessica, where can we learn more about True Crime Chronicles?
2: If you're listening to this, you can go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have pages for Vault Studios and also Inside the Crime Vault uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, we have a group that's specifically called Inside the Crime Vault that you can join and discuss this and other cases that we're looking into and talk about some cases that you think we should
4: talk about too. All
1: right. Thanks, Jessica. And thanks, Spencer. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story.